hey, I want to encourage you um, during this time right now that we can actually uh, be really overwhelmed with fear and it's easy to be afraid. But in the Bible, you know, it says, do not be afraid 365 times. It's like, isn't that interesting? Almost one for every day of the year. And so I want you to, to encourage you to speak to your situation and, and, and ask the Lord to give you a fear-free heart. I love that we're doing church at home. Matter of fact, you know, as I was praying with uh, Pastor Philip this week before we got the update from the governor, before we got the update from our mayor, I said to, to Pastor Philip, and we were praying about doing church at home already. And then the next morning, uh, we got, uh, we were confirmed, it was confirmed that, that that's what we needed to do. And so there's an interesting thing about church at home because, like I said earlier, um, having a church building is a great blessing. If you were here, um, it might be good to look around and see how beautiful this building is. But as I was praying, the Lord showed me clearly that a, that a church building is a benefit, not a necessity. Matter of fact, the first church started in a home. The Holy Spirit fell in a house. Not only did it fall in a house, it fell in the upper room of the house. And, and Bible scholars say that the upper room was where the servants and the poor people would stay. So the, the, the rich people or the people of influence um, were in downstairs and the poor people and the servants and sometimes even the slaves would stay in the upper room. So isn't it interesting how not only did God pick a home for his Holy Spirit, for his presence to show up in power, but he picked the poorest part of the home. And so no matter where you are right now, I want to encourage you that you don't need to be rich. You don't need to know the Bible by heart. Right now, wherever you are in your living room, God can show up and meet you there. And the power of the Holy Spirit and his presence can meet you right where you are at. Maybe you've been used to come in here every Sunday, and I say this humbly, you need me less than you think. The presence of God that I have is what you have as well. And so I'm encouraged. And another thing I want to share with you is that um, in the Old Testament, um, there was this story where uh, the ten plagues broke out. And on the tenth plague, um, God's people were commanded to put blood on the doorpost of their home. Now, please don't run out and put any blood on the doorpost of your home. That would be weird. And whoever's watching with you at home is probably not going to come back. But, but the point is, is that in the New Testament, the blood hit the, the foot of the cross. And we sing songs about the blood of Jesus. We're forgiven by the blood of Jesus. But isn't it interesting that before the blood hit the cross, the blood hit the home? And so I want to encourage you today that right where you are in your home, I'm believing that there is safety, that there is protection, and we're going to pray right now for every single ounce of fear to be gone like the toilet paper on the shelves in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Matter of fact, Matter of fact, why don't you just get some rolls of toilet paper and we're going to pray for God to multiply it like the five loaves and two fishes. Multiply. As he unwound the roll, it... Y'all amen in anything right now. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, that right now all over people are gathering in homes, believing God for your protection and your grace and your mercy. God, you're so good. And I love the song we were singing earlier. Even when we don't see it, you're working. 
God, you're working on something. You're working on a plan. You are bringing healing right now, healing all over this nation, God. And we are praying that as the days go on, we, we, your spirit and, and your power would stop this disease right in its tracks. Not right in its tracks. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I remember when I was a kid that um, my, my grandmother was a believer and she had this big ginormous Bible and it had like gold edges on it. It was no uh, joke. And it was huge. And back in the day, I guess they used to have these giant Bibles. I don't know if they still have them um, now. I mean, we usually watch the Bible on our phones. And, but back in the day, my, my grandmother had this big Bible. And, and, and maybe even it was my aunt. But I remember going to one of my family members' houses, and this ginormous Bible was open to Psalm 91. And I was like, why is this Bible open to Psalm 91 all the time? This book is huge, and this is the only verse that the Bible's always open to. And there was this um, belief that as long as you open your Bible to Psalm 91, you would be protected. And that's what I was communicated with. And I didn't have a Bible, but if I did, I probably would take it home and open it to Psalm 91. But I want to encourage you with something um, that... Opening your Bible and not getting it into your heart is not very powerful at all. And Psalm 91 is one of the most powerful verses in this time, not just to open. They believe that ward off spirits, but no, when you have it in your heart, you can pray. And every spirit of fear has got to go in the name of Jesus. And so there's no greater verse to go through right now than Psalm 91. Are you ready? They're ready. <laughs> Psalm 91 starts with this interesting sentence. Whoever, not some people, whoever, right? Whoever. Think about this for a second. You sitting at home, whoever. You might have someone at your house that has never been to church right now. And they classify and qualify under the term whoever. It doesn't say everybody who memorizes the Bible doesn't say everybody who comes to church. Doesn't say everybody who prays eloquent prayers. Doesn't say everybody who, who um, cleans their life up. It just simply says whoever. It says whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Now, I got to stop right here real quick because it doesn't say whoever visits, whoever dwells. There's a difference between a visitation from God and a habitation from God. There's a difference between a visitation to God and a habitation with God. It's not saying that if we have this quick spiritual experience and we get goosebumps and it's like, oh my gosh, Pastor Julian's so good. And then we go home and we wait for the next Sunday. It says whoever dwells. I find it interesting that God is having churches all over the world meet in homes in their dwelling place. I was praying this morning and saying to myself, God, why can't we meet in our building? It took so much work and effort to meet, to even get this building, the down payment. Oh my gosh, like it, it took a miracle. People had to give and people were putting just tithing, man. We found a hot pocket in the offering once. This brother was just giving anything he had. And now seven years later, we can't meet in this cathedral that, uh, that is a hundred years old. Why, God? Why didn't you 
stop this so we could gather. And, and I felt as I prayed that the Lord wanted me to encourage you. He is using this terrible time. He didn't create it. God will create things that, I mean, excuse me, God will use things that he did not create. God will use a tough time to show people who he is. He didn't create this disease, but he will use it to show you and I that we were supposed to be the pastors and priests and leaders of our homes. Arguably, the biggest attack on society is not the coronavirus, if I may say that humbly and carefully. The biggest attack I have seen has been on the family and the fathers and the marriages. So what if God wants to bring his move to your house, to your neighborhood, to your apartment building, so that you would know that those who dwell with God, not visit him on Sunday, dwell in the shelter of the most high. This first sentence, I could stay here. I don't know how long you're going to sit on your couch and listen to me. But I could stay on this first verse forever. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High. The words dwell, shelter, Most High. Dwell, shelter, Most High. You dwell and find shelter when God is Most High. The Bible says that we got to be careful of anything that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. I am not saying that we don't need to be concerned about this time and about this virus, but we have the power to bring down every single thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God because God is most high. So no matter how many articles you read about the coronavirus, the coronavirus is not the most high. Those who dwell in the shelter of the almighty most high will find shelter and peace. And so what have we allowed to become most high in this season? We've got to be careful that our concern doesn't create a different most high. I want to ask you this question right now in your heart, right now in your head, right where you are, what is most high to you right now? The news, your fear, but the Bible says whoever dwells in the shelter of the most high and watch this, it keeps going. It says, we'll rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Isn't it interesting how God created a place to find safety and that place is Him? Doesn't say that you can just go anywhere without God and you're going to be safe. I remember one time when I was going out on my, my own, I, I had an older uncle, and, and when I was 12 or 13, for a while, if I wanted to go, my, my, my mother would make an older person go with me. It's almost as if she was saying, I, I am more comfortable in your safety when you are not alone, but when someone's with you. She was saying it is safer when you have someone with you who knows the way. If you get lost, you can come back home, and I believe that this verse is telling us we are safe when we are resting in the shadow, in the presence of God. Now think about how close you'd have to be to someone to be in their shadow. This isn't a long distance relationship. This isn't you got to get on the 405 to see Jesus. No, you're right there, right there in his presence. And then it says in verse 2, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. It says, I will say. When we get in a time like this, our words are imp important. And it's important for you to know that this psalm was written by Moses. 
Psalm 91 was written by Moses. Many Bible scholars believe that he wrote it in the wilderness as he exited and was delivered from the Egyptians and guess what? The 10 plagues. So he's writing this verse, having seen God rescue him, not only from his enemy, but sickness and disease and plagues. God, Moses wrote Psalm 91. And here's the thing about this time is I really believe that this is the Psalm we have to pray and know like ever before. And, and watch this, Moses had seen people following him, Egyptians and Pharaohs trying to kill him. He had seen disease and plagues. He had walked across the Red Sea. And look what he says in verse three, surely God will save you. He doesn't say, um, maybe, we'll see. You know that person, we'll see what happens. I was in a coffee shop the other day and this guy was there and he was like, man, I, I don't know, man. I don't know if we're gonna make it. Like, I think we're all gonna die. Like, I don't know. He just said something real negative and then he ordered an avocado toast and I was confused. <laughs> like, is that your last meal? Like, if you still are ordering avocado toast and paying $14 for avocado and toast, I think you're gonna be okay, man. It's like, jeez. <laughs> Moses had seen way more, and I'm not discounting this time that we are in. I'm just trying to submit to you what, the, what Moses had seen in his life up to that point, and he had the confidence to say, surely he will save you. And then he uses interesting words. He says he'll save you from the fowler's snare. And, and this is comparing a fowler with someone who professionally caught birds. And if you look at a bird, um, not, maybe not a raven, those are nasty, but if you look at a normal bird, um, they're pretty helpless. Um, and so Moses is talking about um, a bird um, who doesn't have the sense. Birds aren't very smart animals, so it's not hard for a fowler to outsmart a bird because the bird doesn't have much head knowledge. Birds actually have one of the smallest brain capacities of maybe any animal. And, and he, he's saying, and I believe he's telling you and I, that it's not your intelligence that's going to get you out of this one. It's not your research that's going to get you out of this one. It's not your compilation of data that's going to get you out of this one. Yes, we need medical data. I'm not discounting that. But as believers, what we need is a God who saves, a God who rescues, a God who delivers. And then he says this, which is really interesting. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings, you will find refuge. Isn't that interesting? He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings, you will find refuge. The reason why I find that interesting is, you know, little chicks, chickadees, I don't know what it is, but <laughs> chickens, you know, I don't, I usually encounter chickens um, breaded and fried, so I, I don't really know the, the language, but um, compares God to having wings and, and feathers. And Jesus said to people in Luke 13, 34, he says to a city, and I believe that prophetically he's saying this to our city and cities all over the world maybe, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I wanted to gather you, your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. He's saying, I want to bring you close during this time. Like under the shadow of my wings, 
but you wouldn't let me. It seems to be a reference to Psalm 91 where Jesus wasn't just trying to give people spiritual experiences, all those are those are great. He wasn't just trying to make sure people could watch a sermon or a podcast on YouTube. He was saying, I'm trying to gather you like a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you wouldn't let me. Why would a mother hen gather their chicks? And why would Jesus compare them to that? Because mother hens are able to know when their chicks are in danger and the chicks have no idea. And I believe that we're supposed to be in this season having that type of innocence where Jesus can gather us together right there in our homes and we can find safety and protection in the shadow of the wings of Jesus. I really believe that. Psalm 91 is an interesting passage of of Scripture because it continues to say that under his wings we will find refuge and his faithfulness will be our shield and rampart and we will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness nor the plague that destroys at midday we will not we will not have to be afraid of those things because Jesus is our protector. And then it says, a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. Now, you got to be careful on who you call wicked, because Moses was having some Pharaoh and the Egyptians try to chase him and kill him. And so obviously Moses wrote that he was talking about them. Uh, God's not talking about the person that owes you $10. So you got to be careful who you... um, call wicked. And matter of fact, when we see wicked in the Old Testament, later in Romans, it would say that nobody's good, not one. Without Jesus, we all have some wickedness in us. And so he says, you'll observe with your eyes. And then watch verse 9. This is amazing. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent or your apartment building, or your home. I want you to catch this. If you say, not if you believe, not if Pastor Julian tells it to you, not if you read it on an Instagram meme, not if you sip it on a coffee mug and it's on the side of it, if you say, we're going to practice that right now, right now in your homes on the count of three. It says, if you say, the Lord is my refuge, on the count of three, we're going to say, the Lord is my refuge together. Ready? One, two, three. It says if you say that, if you say it, every single day, you need to educate yourself, by the way, with great websites like the CDC and, and WHO and some of the great organizations. But right after you take in the information of lockdowns and curfews and, and not being able to get the food or supplies that you need. We want to be able to help you with that. But before you do anything, just say, the Lord is my refuge. Because it says, if you say it and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. You know why I believe it said no harm will overtake you? Overtake you is a strong word because Moses was on the run from the Egyptians. And the Bible never says that Moses was running fast. Never once says, and then Moses started dipping. (laughs) No, we don't know the speed that he was running. The verse doesn't say 
that you will outrun your issues and what you're afraid of. The verse says that what you're afraid of won't overtake you. So in this time, what I believe God is saying to you and I is that God is not speeding you up. He's slowing it down. It will not overtake you in Jesus' name. So wherever pace you are moving through your life and your thoughts, move at the pace of grace and nothing will overtake you at all. Does anybody believe it? You could clap right now in your living room. I'm preaching. I don't know where you're at. But you can clap right now in your living room. No harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. And so um, obviously that is um, cultural. Unless you're camping, that word is for you. (laughs) And then he says in verse 11, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so you will not strike your foot against a stone You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Isn't it interesting in Genesis chapter 3, the enemy showed up through a serpent. And in 1 Peter, it says the enemy roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I don't believe and many scholars don't believe that Jesus was talking about Um, literal lions and literal serpents. So if someone is in your living room handling a snake right now, run. (laughs) I believe he was talking metaphorically about the devil. I can't prove it, but I believe he was. And the reason why I believe he was is that maybe you you didn't catch this, but Psalm 91 was the verse, one of the verses that the devil tempted Jesus with when he was in the wilderness. The Bible says in Mark chapter four that the spirit of God led Jesus to the wilderness and he was fasting for 40 days. And the devil, Satan, met him in the wilderness to tempt him. And in one of those temptings, in Matthew chapter four, verses five through seven, the Bible says that the devil took Jesus to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. And that really stood out to me this this morning because I was thinking and praying that the devil took Jesus to the highest point of what would have been the church building at that time. And he told him this, he said, if you are the son of God, jump off for the scriptures say, he's quoting Psalm 91, he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone and Jesus responded the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God that word test means to exceed proper boundaries why would the devil use this certain passage of scripture to tempt Jesus well one is all he quoted to him was Psalm 91 verses 11 and 12. He quoted what God would do, not the responsibility of the believer. He was tempting Jesus, you don't have to dwell in the shadow of the Almighty. You don't have to say God is your refuge. He tried to remove the conditions of the promise. 
And some of the greatest temptations you and I will face is when there are conditions to the promise and the enemy tempts you and says, you don't have to follow those conditions. God will do what he said anyway. All over the world, people refuse to let Jesus gather, in him, gather them in his presence. And the enemy's showing up all over the world and saying, God will protect you. You don't have to come to him. You don't have to put your faith in Jesus. You don't have to say God is your refuge. If he is good, jump. Jump into that toxic relationship. Jump into the bedroom at 2 a.m. with another person. Jump into unbelief. Jump into a career that's all about you. Jump into selfishness. Jump into greed. Go ahead, jump. Now, some of my old relatives are watching movie Lean On Me. Dr. Joe, Principal Joe Clark took the little boy up to the top of the building and said, go on, do it, jump. Isn't that what the enemy does? Jump. Don't ask God. Don't consult with God. Don't don't find your refuge and your safety. Jump. I want to ask you this question. What have you jumped into without God and then blame the fact that you got hurt on God? Jesus responded and said, no, no, no. The Bible also says not to test God, not to exceed the limitations that God has given humanity. Just because I serve a limitless God doesn't mean that I can expect his limitless in my disobedience of his limitations. And so Jesus resisted the temptation of the devil at the top of the temple. And I was thinking this morning as a lead pastor, I wonder if sometimes the devil takes me to the very top. I can't climb to the top, but this is just a visual for the viewers at home. If the devil takes me sometimes to the very top of the church, says jump, start that ministry, do that thing. Start a million things. God will protect it, God will bless it. And I haven't said the Lord is my refuge. I'm not dwelling in the shelter of the most high God. I want to tell you right now, right where you're at in your living room, don't jump. Let God guide you. Let God lead you. And then verse 14, and I'm going to call the worship team up right now, and verse, verse 14 closes, and it says, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. I want you to think about that for a second. We mentioned earlier in our time of prayer that there is a name of this virus, and I'm not discounting the, 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 the danger of the virus or the fear or the concern that we may have. This message is not some of the messages that you may have been seeing out there making you feel guilty for being afraid making you feel guilty for being concerned. That is not my heart at all, and I don't want you to take it that way. I'm not saying there's not reason to be concerned or there's not reason to be afraid of this virus that has a name. I'm just submitting and suggesting to you that there is a name that is above every name, and the name is Jesus. That's all I'm suggesting to you right where you are. And this Jesus, this God says, because he loves me, I will rescue him. I will protect him for why? He acknowledges my name. 
You haven't even got the chance to acknowledge God's ways yet. You haven't even started to fix the things that you feel like you need to fix. And maybe you're watching online and you're like, there's no way God will help me because I haven't been to church. I, I don't pray. I haven't read my Bible in weeks or months. Somebody invited me to their house and I don't know God at all. And God gives us this beautiful starting point where he says, I will protect you if you acknowledge my name. What if right now in your living room you just said, Jesus? Isn't it interesting in the, the book of Acts, I've been going through the book of Acts, and they, um, there's these religious leaders and they tried to stop the apostles from preaching because it was turning people away from their religion and even sometimes upsetting the economy and a council got together and they, they told the apostles, we'll let you do whatever you want, just don't do anything in Jesus' name. You can lay hands on the sick, you can heal, you can preach, but just don't do it in the name of Jesus. Now, I wanna encourage somebody that thinks they gotta have life all figured out to get protection from God. In a time like this, Moses was writing in a time worse than this, where the enemies and the plagues were all over the land. And Moses said that there is protection for anyone who acknowledges God's name, Jesus. Verse 15 says, he will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. And with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This verse is huge because there are a few places in the Bible where someone could rely on their environment to bring peace and safety. They didn't believe that their environment would shift and it would bring peace and safety. A lot of these people, these believers believed that it was Jesus, the presence of God, that would enter into their environment. And the environment wouldn't change, but they would change. And then therefore, because they have changed, they would change their environment. 